Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. I want to tell you about the first time my Italian cousin Stefano came to visit us here in the United States. We wanted to give him an amazing American experience, so we took him to downtown Chicago, to Soldier Field to watch an NFL football game with the Chicago Bears. <laughs> That's pretty American. But I got to tell you, my Italian cousin, Stefano, he loves football. Yeah, he, he is passionate about football. He knows everything about football. The only problem is what he calls football, we call soccer. <laughs> so he had no idea what was going on in this American football game. Uh, and so when we made a great play, everyone stood up and cheered and Stefano went with with us and he started cheering as well and he said did we win i said oh no no we just we just made a good play and then when the ref made a bad call the bad call by the referee we all put our fists up in the air and we start booing boo and stefano puts his fists up in the air and says boo and he said did the other team score and i said no 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 it's just a bad play and then finally when the bears blocked a pump grabbed the ball and returned it all the way down into the end zone and we scored a touchdown everyone's jumping up and down they're hugging each other giving high fives and stefano goes along with everyone else he's hugging people all around him he doesn't no, he's giving them high fives, but this time he doesn't even bother asking me a question. <laughs> he just looks over at me with a smile as if to say, I have no idea what's going on, but I'm sure it's good for the bears. <laughs> well, I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but there are many Catholics that experience the mass this way. They kind of go through the motions with everybody else. They stand, they sit, they kneel, they make the sign of the cross. They say, thanks be to God. And with your spirit, but they're not sure what's all going on. You know, they go through the motions, but they don't know the meaning, the background, and what's really happening. Do you know the meaning of these beautiful prayers when the priest washes his hands, when we say, amen, thanks be to God, when we make the sign of the cross, when we sing glory to God in the highest, holy, holy, holy. Do you know the meaning of all these beautiful prayers and rituals? Did you know? I'm going to share with you today I'm going to share with you the great code book. There's an amazing code book that tells us where all of the prayers and all of the rituals and all the symbols of the mass come from. It's amazing. Wouldn't it be cool if you had this code book that you could figure out all the prayers and rituals and understand what's happening in the liturgy at every step of the way? Well, you actually own the code book, I think. If you own a Bible, you'll find it right there because <laughs> that's where all the prayers and the rituals and the symbols come from, from scripture. The problem is many of us Catholics, we don't know that code book. We don't know the biblical background. And I'm so excited today. I want to, I want to start to unpack some of the biblical background of the mass. And I think many of you know, many years ago, I wrote a book called the biblical walk to the mass. We have a brand new 10 year anniversary edition that's coming out uh, right now uh, with Ascension press. And it's meant to really help Catholics, not just go through the motions with their faith, but to really encounter Jesus in the liturgy. I, you know, I hear all the time, so many Catholics, even very devout, committed Catholics saying things like, I wish I could get more out of mass. My mind wanders. I get distracted. Does that ever happen to you? Do you ever go through a liturgy and you're kind of like, oh my goodness, I wasn't even there. I was thinking about all the things I need to do. I wasn't paying attention. And, I, and, and you, you feel bad about that. And you say, I wish I could get more out of mass. I, I meet Catholics that say things like, I wish the preaching were better. I wish the music were better. I wish the architecture were better. And I understand many times I wish those things were better too. But every time we go to the liturgy, 
if we understand what's happening, we can get so much out of it, no matter how bad the singing might be or the song selection might be or the homily wasn't really engaging and uh, the architecture isn't beautiful. We can always get something amazing out of Mass if we come prepared to give more at every prayer, at, at every ritual. If we can perform these liturgical actions, these beautiful gestures, and see them as gestures of love and put our hearts into it. What I want to do is unpack the background, the biblical background of parts of the Mass. I'm going to do for a little series here on the opening parts of the Mass. I want to take a look at some of the opening parts of the Mass, just to, to really, really more deeply appreciate all that Jesus is doing, and he's wanting to encounter us in these beautiful prayers and rituals of the liturgy. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sri, and I have a question for you. Thinking about Italy here, my Italian cousin, I have a question for you. I bet there's some of you out there that, given all that's been happening in the world the last 15 months, you're longing to travel again. Are you longing to travel again? Is there a part of you saying, I, I want to be, I want to see the world again. I, I want to be on pilgrimage. Have any of you ever, ever done a pilgrimage? You say, I want to be on pilgrimage again. Or maybe there's some of you out there that have thought about a pilgrimage. You've never quite done one in, you've gone on trips, but you've never done a spiritual journey, a truly spiritual exercise, a pilgrimage. Well, I, I want to share with you something I'm so, so excited about. I don't know if you've heard this, but Rome is open. I've led pilgrims to Rome for 20 years, dozens and dozens of groups. My daughter is there right now. She's on a, a college student program, and she was sending me pictures and just how amazing it is in Rome right now. Everything is open, restaurants, churches, basilicas, museums, and gelato stores. <laughs> uh, and so she's just sending me all these pictures and just having a blast going and seeing everything. And Rome is open, and I know a lot of people have questions like, well, what about with COVID? COVID and can you fly? Well, they have these COVID tested flights where you do testing. No vaccines are required. I get a lot of people asking, well, I I'm not as comfortable with the vaccine for various reasons and people maybe don't want to do it. Well, in Italy right now, there's not a requirement for that. And so if you've been thinking, I want to do some travel, I want to go on a spiritual journey, I've been thinking, I, I want to be on pilgrimage, I want to make a special invitation to you. Uh, I'm going to be leading a small group pilgrimage later this fall, and it's my standard Rome pilgrimage, but it's going to be a little smaller group, and I'm so excited to be able to go there. I'm going to be actually going later this month in June uh, with a private group I'm going to be leading, but what I want to offer to you is September 18th to 26th, this this September 18th to 26th, this fall, 2021. If you want to learn more, go to my website, edwardsri.com. That's edwardsri.com. And again, what you do is you do some testing before you, you get a COVID test when you arrive, but there's not a vaccination that's required. And, and then everything's open. You're able to go around. I think they're requiring masks, especially inside the churches and, and museums and things. But Besides that, my, my daughter was just saying it's been amazing. She's been before with me, and but but she's able to go in that you're not competing with the thousands and thousands of people in the crowds normally. So it's a little, you know, a little more peaceful. You can enter into the sacred sites, you could see more. But most of all, what I'm looking forward to is being able to pray, to pray quietly at the tomb of St. John Paul II, to pray quietly at the tomb of the tombs of St. Peter, St. Paul, St. Philip, St. James, St. Jude, St. Simon. 
St. Matthew's relics, all, all these amazing saints and apostles that are there in Rome. I've been doing this for over 20 years when we walk in the footsteps, the apostles, the martyrs, the popes, and I try to give people an insider's experience of Rome where I teach you how to read a church to understand this is why it's shaped this way. This is why they use this color. This is what you want to look for. And then you'll you'll know how to read a church for the rest of your life. And most of all, we, we pray with the saints. We see dozens and dozens of saints. And I do a little biblical teaching or a little teaching about the saint before we go into the church. And I give a little tour. And then we do readings right there from St. Catherine of Siena at her tomb or St. Monica, the mother of Augustine, right at her tomb. And we're reading these saints' writings and it just becomes so real. So again, a special invitation to all of you, if you're interested, go to edwards3.com. That's edwardsri.com. Go to my pilgrimage page there. And the trip is this September 18th to 26th, 2021, a special limited small group pilgrimage for this fall. But let's turn back to these introductory rites, the beginning of the Mass. You know, these these opening prayers, sometimes I think we, you know, we just kind of can think of them as, oh, we're just getting started. It's not that important. If I come late, if I'm not paying attention, it's not a big deal. But that's not what these prayers are all about. From the very get-go, they're really all about getting ready, grabbing our attention and saying, it's time to get ready. You you are you're needing to prepare. You are about to encounter Jesus Christ in the liturgy. And so you need to get ready. I think in the Bible, if you go back to Exodus chapter 19, when the Israelites first got to Mount Sinai, they they had to consecrate themselves for three days before they could hear God speak to them. (laughs) You know, many times we just walk in and go, oh, I'm going to have some readings from the Old Testament. No, no, no. When we have those scripture readings in the liturgy of the word, we need to get ready. We, we, We can't just walk into that. And so I'm going to spend some time really helping us think about the introductory rites, you know, because the, those opening prayers is so important. We pray those well. It, it reminds me of, you know, if you hear a speech, when someone's giving a talk, you, you want to, you know, if, if their opening is good, you're more likely to pay attention. You know, it's really, you know, you'll, you'll be hooked. And God's trying to hook us at the beginning. Uh, I know my children who've played music and they've played performances or in competitions. And I've heard their teachers tell them how important it is that the opening first, you know, a couple measures in the first note, the, how you strike the key on the piano is so important. To, it, it sets the tone for the, for the whole piece that you're playing. And are, are you going to grab people's attention well in the very beginning? Well, that's my question for you in the introductory rites. Do you give God your best when you make the sign of the cross, when you say, and with your spirit, do you know what you're really doing? Or are you like my Italian cousin, Stefano, and you're just going through the motions? Because it's so important that we, we get this right, that we start with the right note, that we give our best in these opening prayers. That's what Israel did at Mount Sinai. They didn't just go in and go, hey, we're going to go here. God, give us the Ten Commandments. Cool. No, no, no. They got ready. They, they consecrated themselves for three days to spiritually prepare themselves to hear God's word, to encounter God coming down on the mountain in the form of that cloud and the sacrifices they're going to offer. It was incredible. Three days of preparation. This is our preparation, these opening prayers. So I want to talk about some of them. Let's, let's tackle, first of all, the sign of the cross. Why do we have the sign of the cross at the beginning of the Mass. You know, this is the opening prayer, the very first prayer of the Mass, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's two aspects of the sign of the cross. First is the words we recite. We say in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're calling on God's name. And and this is a beautiful tradition from Scripture. I don't know if you know this, but it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 4, 
where Adam's son, Seth, Seth and his family begin to call on the name of the Lord. Abraham calls on the Lord's name. The Isaac calls on God's name. The Psalms call on God's name. You see this all throughout Scripture. And, and in the Scriptures, what it means is when we call on God's name, we're inviting God's presence. We're invoking his holy presence to be in our midst. That's what Jesus says, right? Do you remember what Jesus says? He says, when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in your midst. And what we're doing is we're invoking not just Jesus, the Holy Son of God, but the Father and the Holy Spirit as well. We, we say in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. This is powerful, not just in the liturgy, but anytime you make the sign of the cross and you call on God's name, you're inviting his power in, you're inviting his strength in, you're inviting his presence. You're invoking his very presence in your life. It's a wonderful thing. So even in your own life, if you ever you know, are, are facing trouble or you're scared, you have to make a big decision. Call on the name of God. Just say, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's beautiful that we do this at the beginning of the Mass. That we're inviting God in. We're trying to set this part, this time apart. Uh, this is different than what we were doing when we were at home and what we did on the car, driving in and walking into the parking lot. We are in sacred time and sacred space now. And so we call on the name of the Lord. But then we don't just call on God's name. There's the second part of the sign of the cross, right? It's the tracing of the cross over our bodies. What's that about? Why do I need to trace this cross over me? Well, uh, again, it's, of course, reminding us of the cross of Jesus Christ and reminding us of our own baptisms. But I want you to know the great prophecy about the sign of the cross. Do you know the great prophecy in the Old Testament? Oh, I, I just love sharing this with you. I think I've mentioned this on an episode a long time ago, but I'll share with you here. Uh, Ezekiel chapter nine gives a, a prophecy about great dramatic events that are gonna happen in Israel. So this is, he's writing around six centuries before the time of Christ. And Ezekiel's warning the people in Jerusalem that they're not repenting. And, and if they don't repent, then a foreign nation, Babylon, is going to come in and destroy the city, destroy the temple, and carry the people off into slavery. And, and so there's going to be this great devastation, but there is not everyone that is going along with the corruption and the sin and the idolatry in Jerusalem. There are some in Jerusalem who remain faithful. So what's going to happen to them? Well, Ezekiel foretells that they're going to get a special mark on their foreheads. They're going to be marked by God, set apart by God to be protected when judgment day comes on the holy city. And in Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 4, it tells us what that, that mark on the forehead looks like. It looks like the Hebrew letter Ta, the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which looks like a cross. It looks like a cross. And and this this symbol of the of the of the Hebrew letter on their on their head symbolized that they were the faithful ones and that they were going to be protected. When the rest of Jerusalem was going to be destroyed and the people carried off and made slaves, these faithful ones had the mark of divine protection. They were going to be protected when judgment day came. Now I just love this. I love thinking about this because you can imagine the early Christians when they they looked back at this prophecy. They saw that their practice of making the sign of the cross had been foretold, had been foretold by Ezekiel. That just as in Ezekiel's day, when there was a lot of corruption, a lot of sin in a pagan land, where the Jews had fallen into pagan idolatry, there were some who remained faithful. Imagine being a Christian in the first, second, third century in Rome. You're, you're part of the minority. There's this pagan culture all around you, uh, and, and you're trying to be faithful. 
Can you imagine living in a society where everyone is not following God's ways and you're living in an immoral, corrupt, pagan-like culture? Can you imagine living in a world like that? (laughs) So the sign of the cross is really relevant to us today, not just at Mass, but in general. Because every time we make the sign of the cross, we're saying, like the the Jews in Jerusalem, we're we're saying, we're faithful. We want to follow God's ways, not the corrupt ways of this world. We want to follow Jesus. And, and we believe that if we follow him and his cross, we will be protected. And, and so the sign of the cross is a sign of fidelity, but it's also a powerful sign of God's protection. In fact, many early church fathers talked about how when you make the sign of the cross, God protects you from all evil. He protects you from temptation. Some of the church fathers described how the sign of the cross drives demons away. When you have demons of of lust, demons of discouragement, demons uh, of pride, demons of envy, uh, demons of anxiety, these things affecting you to make the sign of the cross, the demons flee in the face of Christ crucified. That's why it's so powerful to make the sign of the cross. Make it all the time. I don't know if do any of you ever do this. Do you, those of you that have kids, do you ever trace the sign of the cross over your children? The beautiful tradition that you should do as a mother, as a father. They've been entrusted to you and in your authority as a parent. You have spiritual authority over your kids. Trace the sign of the cross over them. Trace the sign of the cross so that they may be protected from all evil, all danger, but most of all, spiritual, moral danger that they may always follow Jesus Christ. So the sign of the cross, that's what we're doing at the beginning of Mass. Okay, the big summary here. So we're calling on God's name. We're invoking his presence like like Abraham and Seth and all the great heroes of salvation history did. We're calling God's presence to be with us. And we're tracing that cross over our bodies to say we want to be faithful. We want to follow God's ways, not the world's ways. And we want God's protection over us, protecting us from all evil, especially sin. Now, I'm going to just do one more prayer. Can I, can I just do one more prayer with you all here? At the beginning of Mass, you know, this little exchange where the priest says, the Lord be with you, and we say, and with your spirit. You know, I think many people think that's kind of just like a throwaway line. It's kind of like, hey, good, you know, good morning, you know, and then you're saying, hey, and right back at you, Father, and with your spirit. <laughs> you know, I think we just think it's kind of like a throwaway line, but oh, no, this is, this is part of the introductory rites. And these are all about, remember, preparation, spiritual preparation, getting ready. This isn't the Catholic way of like welcoming people and saying hello. Uh, This is no ordinary greeting. In fact, if you understood what the Lord be with you meant, if you understood what that meant in scripture, you might approach the mass with a little more fear and trembling because these are words that God and the angels use to address people who were being called by God when they're being called to be set apart. You know, I think about Moses at the burning bush. Moses hears those words in Exodus chapter three, when God's calling Moses to lead the people out of Egypt and to go to, to go back to Egypt and find Pharaoh, the wicked dictator, and convince Pharaoh to let the people go. Do you, do you think that's a job that Moses was gunning for in life? <laughs> no. You know, Moses tries everything to get out of it. He's overwhelmed. He's like, I don't know anyone. I'm not a good leader. No one's going to listen to me. Pharaoh's not going to listen to me. And God, you know what God says to Moses? over and over again, God doesn't pat Moses on the back and say, oh, you're a lot better than you think, Moses. You can do this. You've got this, buddy. <laughs> That's not what God says. God basically says to Moses, yep, you're pretty pathetic. You're pretty weak. But guess what, Moses? It's not about you. It's about me. I will be with you. I will be with you. 
That's what God says to Moses in Exodus 3 and Exodus 4. I'll be with you to help you do what you cannot do on your own. I'll make up for your weakness. This is how this phrase is used over and over again. Everybody in the Bible, like Joshua, when he's called to lead the people in the promised land, he doesn't have a big army, he doesn't have a lot of military experience, and and yet God says, I will be with you. Gideon is called to fight off the Midianites. Gideon, again, doesn't have an army, doesn't have any military experience, but the angel says, the Lord will be with you. Do you ever have moments in your life where you feel a little overwhelmed? Where you feel stretched? You feel like, I, I can't do this. I don't, I don't know how to do this. Maybe it's like some situation at work, some project you're shouldering and you're just feeling just overwhelmed by it. A big deadline. I don't know how I'm going to meet the deadline. Or maybe it's something on the home front. There's some big weight that you're carrying in your marriage and you're just not sure, how is this going to get better? I, I want a good relationship with my spouse, but I'm not sure how this is going to work out. Or, or you're, you have a situation with one of your kids. I don't know how to be a good parent, be a good mom, be a good father for them through this period. I don't know what to do. If you ever feel overwhelmed in life and you feel small and I, I, don't, I don't think I, I have what it takes to do it, just know Moses felt that way. Joshua felt that way. Gideon felt that way. And yet God came to them and said, in your weakness, I will be with you. I love these words in the Bible, and I love hearing them every Sunday and every weekday Mass I get to. I love hearing these words because it encourages me in those areas of my life where I feel like I've fallen short. I don't know how I'm going to solve this problem. I don't know how the situation is going to turn out. I, I don't think I can do this. I feel inadequate. I don't feel up for the task. I'm reminded of these great heroes in, in the Bible. In a mass, I'm reminded God is with me. God is with me. He's there to help me. He's help me. He's there to help me to do what I can't do on my own. If I could learn to rely more on Him, that's what this is reminding us. This beautiful prayer is reminding us to rely on Jesus more. And we all need to grow in this, especially in the mass, because as we're getting ready to encounter God in His Word and encounter Him in in the Holy Eucharist, I'm not worthy. You know, just at, at Mass today, I, I, I'm recording this here on, on Corpus Christi Sunday evening, beautiful feast day, thinking about the Mass and the Eucharist. We sang this beautiful song. I remember singing it many, many years ago. Um, who am I that I should receive? Who am I that I should receive? The body of my Lord. Who am I? I'm not worthy to receive. I mean, I mean I'm... I'm I'm just a mere creature and the God of the universe wants to come and dwell within me. And I sin so much and, and he still wants to come and dwell within me. Who am I that I should receive? Who am I? You know, I think, I think in the mass, Jesus is speaking to us through the priest. When the priest says, the Lord be with you. God, that, that's comforting me. God's with me. I know I'm not worthy, but I know that Jesus is with me and he wants to enter into me in this profound way. And not just at Mass, but what he does for me in Mass, coming under my roof, the roof of my soul uh, in Holy Communion. He wants to do outside of the liturgy. He wants to be present in my life all the time. And and it's when I'm just so distracted and I'm thinking about myself, thinking about my to-do list or facing troubles in my life all on my own that I, I, I lose my peace and I feel overwhelmed. I feel stressed out. And I have to remember, no, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with me. He's there to help me in the liturgy. And it's from that, that I find the strength to do whatever it is that God's calling me to. So my friends, I I hope 
this is interesting for you. You know, to really, I, we've only looked at two little prayers of the mass. And did you see there's so much to these prayers? They, they all come from scripture. And, and if you know the biblical background, it, it, it just makes such a difference, such a difference. So uh, check out my new study and my new book, A Biblical Walk Through Mass 10-Year Anniversary Edition at ascensionpress.com. And if you're interested in Rome, you're interested in the Rome pilgrimage I'm going to offer this fall, September 18th to the, to the 26th, 2021, this fall. Uh, check it out at edwards3.com, edwardsri.com. I want to let you know it's 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 a limited small group. I've already shared it with a few people, so half of the trip is already filled. Uh, and so if you're interested, I recommend you contact us right away because it's first come, first serve. So go to edwardsri.com, go to the pilgrimage page for my Rome pilgrimage. Um, COVID-tested flights is, is, what, is what all the airlines are offering, where you do testing before, you do testing when you arrive. But for Italy, uh, Italy is not requiring vaccination at present. So if you're looking for a pilgrimage, want to go see the holy city of Rome and walk in the footsteps of the apostles, uh, check that out. Contact me at edwards3.com. Go to my pilgrimage page there and hope you can join us this year or some other time in the future. Thanks so much for listening. God bless. 